and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. With winter's arrival and dark evenings in good supply, this is the perfect time to gain your favourite gardening podcast fix. To help you through the spring, Saul and myself will keep you entertained and informed with podcasts on wide-ranging topics such as winter pruning, propagation and planting. Plus, we'll provide regular updates on important industry developments, along with lively discussions on all manner of horticultural topics. We'll aim to bring you two short 20-minute episodes a week, along with a longer bonus interview with a key green-fingered peer every month. As ever, if you have suggestions for episodes that you'd like to hear, please just tap us up on our respective Twitter accounts at Gardening Saul and at Head Gardener LC. We'd be delighted if you'd join us on this journey as we step inside the busy and exciting world of the modern Head Gardener. Well, good evening, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of our podcast. As ever, Lucy is on the other side of the country from me. Good evening, Hi. Lucy. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. It's amazing how the technology seems to work when we actually talk with the podcast. But for 20 minutes, we've been trying to connect to each other and the technology hasn't really been our friend. Don't jinx it, please. Honestly, yeah. But at the moment, fingers and legs crossed and eyes, it's working. So that's all good. I can still see you. And talking of technology, that's been my last few days at Stonelands has been, well, a bit technology... uh, the the one thing that I don't think people appreciate, and I was actually talking to someone about this on Twitter who is also a head gardener at a, a large estate, is that a head gardener has many more strings to its bow than other than gardening. We yeah. do have to have a little bit of knowledge of how to operate certain amounts of machinery or logistics or infrastructure at our estates, whether it's a, a swimming pool or a... Uh, a water wheel or a river sluice or you've got a moat you've got to know how the moat works <laughs> i know it goes up and down the, the water levels change and adjust and if we get if it gets too high we flood the cellar of the house so i've got to be on it so there's a bit of fluid physics we need to know and this week i've been i've had my mechanics in fact you can see my my hands i can there's... be witness to that they look a bit grubby mr walker yeah they're still covered in engine oil it's really hard to get out even with the swarthiga but um yeah, I've been fixing... We've had three bits of machinery go down this week. The tractor to start with, which was a bit hard in my mouth because the last thing I need is for a new, have to afford a new tractor because that would be my budget gone for at least five years. But luckily I fixed that. And, well uh, done. Then I fixed our weed burner, a Sheen X300, my favourite piece of kit for the winter for controlling weeds. And then one of the mowers decided to stop turning and, and that was just a drive belt, luckily. So that was quite what simple. What are you doing to all your machinery? <laughs> well, most of the machinery is about 10 years old. And I know people... It's, it's weird, isn't it? These days, 10 years old is quite old because people change their machinery like any... You know, you change your mm-hmm. car every three years. But it used to be that you would have a lawnmower in gardening for 25 years and it would work all the way through. And most of the parts were made of metal. Now, this is going to be me going off on a rant because most of the I can see. Pieces, look at you. Your pupils are getting yeah, diluted everything. My speech is, <laughs> is, 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 is getting faster. Your beard's in full flow. Oh my yeah, God. it's getting all yeah pulsy. And... um. Now bits are made out of plastic and cheap metal and things just fall apart. And uh, i got to say, there was a lot of cable ties and baler twine was used to get the mower back into full operation just to get you know, a cable cut ties are so much, my friend. The amount of times they've got me out of a pickle. 
I really just temporarily as a fix, honestly. So confessions of a head gardener. There we go. There's one. Exactly. In your shed, you should have compost, pots, and then cable ties like nothing else yep. because you can yep. go through a bag in just one day of trying to fix things. But anyway, that's been that's been my my last few days at Stonelands, and um, I hope I hope things haven't been so bad at your place. No, no, I have to say that the the mechanical gremlins have not visited East Stonelands Hall lately. Touchwood, fingers crossed, and everything else. So I've now you know encouraged the tractor to break down tomorrow, probably by saying that. But what I have been doing, and um, this is what we're going to be talking about tonight, is that the as you say, you reference that head gardeners have many strings to their bow. And one string that we have is being, especially at this time of year, is being a floral arranger or a florist, or in this instance, actually a a wreath maker. It's wreath making season. And you you, you can't look on Twitter without seeing someone making a wreath at the moment. I think it's the the social media (laughs) darling of the season, isn't it? Everyone's making a wreath. They are. They are. But do you know what? As I say, every year I, I I make these at the hall. Uh, this year Jade's gonna gonna have a go at it. I taught her last year, so she's gonna have a crack at it this year. Um, the family are gonna have a small Christmas get together this year, so they're not having the swag, which normally is like a attached to the staircase. But I I can talk about that tonight as well because I've made that many a year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the as it's, it's it's a skill. It is about uh, horticulture. It's not so much about gardening. It's about arranging and and cutting and preparing and conditioning plants to perform well for as long as you need them to. Um, so we thought we'd have a little chat about making these uh, lovely festive decorations because they do look really special. And there's something so nice, I think, about making something and you've sourced every single component that you can from your estate i love that that gets me really a bit buzzy um verging on smug but i think i'm i just like to say i'm buzzy about it i quite like that well that's good and 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 i'm gonna say this is going to be a bit like the large compost episode we had last in that uh we don't do this at Stoneland. So Lucy's going to be the main voice you're going to hear tonight. Um, we did have our wreaths delivered by the local florist. So, what? what? Uh, yeah, oh, no, exactly. I'm joking. I'm Joe on the sea. Is it- it's not my choice. I could make a that We have so many evergreen trees, conifers, yeah. you name it, hollies, all kinds of things, um, winter stems. And I'm sure you could talk about all this in a bit, that I could make my own wreaths. But uh, unfortunately, the... Uh, the owners get the local florist. Uh, uh, you know, the local florist is a local business. We know her. She does a really good job. But unfortunately, yeah. the wreaths she does bring, you, you can see that most of the components are, you know, they're they're imported, unfortunately, because lots of them aren't um, British native plants. The, things like um, lotus heads, nalumbo yeah. heads, yeah. and um, lots of amaryllis. She brought in a, a, a bouquet as well with lots of uh, flowers that aren't flowering at this time of year. But that's the florist trade for you. A lot of the f- plants and flowers come through uh, Holland and they get delivered. But um, mm. I think it's particularly nice to hear. Uh, uh, um, I, I had done this at other National Trust properties. I don't know if anyone knows Coteal down just on the Cornish border, but they have a massive floral garland that they put up in their great hall made of dried flowers, which mm. they grow all year. And I think it's a wonderful practice of horticulture which is not used so much it used to be a a massive thing i think in 
the olden times, and we're talking, you know, 100, 200 years ago, where the gardens were a productive way of producing ornamentation for the house, yeah. both in summer, but also very um, much for the winter. Yes, yeah. Well, I'd say walking around East Stoneland Estate, I can gather everything I need for the wreath and the swag. Within within the estate, the only things I'm buying are things such as so say well I'll, I'll go I'll go through the the components we've got as I say a couple of wreaths that we make one for the front door of the house and one for the owner's friend um, and they are hung on the door at the beginning of December and they will last right through because they're hung outside it's nice and cool and moist this time of year um, they're not in the the heat of the house with central heating or, or wood fires on so they'll last perfectly well from the start of December through until 12th night. So that's absolutely fine. Uh, and what we start with for those as a component is you, you do need to go to a florist and get yourself, or sorry, a floral supplier, I beg your pardon, and get yourself a metal ring. Um, so the wreath starts off with, it's it's uh, two metal rings, one slightly smaller than the other by maybe about an inch and a half. And they're just linked together with little little metal pegs to make two concentric rings. And that is your base for any any wreath and then you want to buy yourself some some floral wires which are about a mil thick they're quite rigid and then you also want some very fine wire that's almost like hair and that is um, much more pliable and that's the components that you need and i know that you specifically avoid the floral foam don't you because well, it's, it's yeah. not that great for the environment and it's it's usually a one-off you know you only use it once and then it's useless it's it's something that um, the industry now is is distinctly stepping away from floral foam or Oasis is the the, the brand name of it. Mm. The RHS are um, ensuring that it's not used in any of their flower shows from next year onwards. They've encouraged the florists this year. I know we didn't have many shows at all this year, but they were trying to encourage them to use different materials. Uh, so yeah, floral foam is non biodegradable and it's a, a microplastic. Once it gets fragmented down into its kind of like powdery state, it's it's a microplastic which, as we know, how high Harmful they are to the environment. So, um, yeah, don't use don't use the floral foam. There is a um, a second product on the market that's meant to be more biodegradable than the floral foam. It's supposed to biodegrade by about ninety percent in three years, um, and it's got very similar um, physical components to it. So you you could use that route. But I use uh, hay. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Because we have hay meadows at the hall that are harvested. And so the... the Do you the, just bundle the, that up? Yeah, that is literally it. You get it like um, bundle up a, a sausage. Sort of, yeah, I yeah. get like... Um, I make it about a metre and a half long, a sort of sausage of hay. And it's all loose and fluffy. And I scrunch it around the wreath ring. And whilst I'm doing that, I'm holding it with one hand and scrunching it and keeping it as a quite an even thickness. And then that very fine wire that I'm talking about that's like a hair's thickness, you're wrapping that around the um, the hay and the wire frame to lock it into place. And then, yeah, as long as it's even thickness all the way around, that's how you start off with your wreath ring. And so then you dunk that in a water butt overnight to soak it. The Super other nice. thing I've heard people use is moss sphagnum yes. moss sphagnum moss yeah in which a you very can buy. similar fashion yeah yeah it's do you know what the the advantage of sphagnum moss over hay having spoke haven't tried both is that the the wire pins will push into sphagnum moss a lot more easily than they will the right. hay so it doesn't hurt your fingers as much but because we produce hay on the estate and i'm i'm i can say i i like to use that then that's why i use the hay as long as the sphagnum moss is sourced from somewhere that's 
where it can be sustainably harvested, yeah, that's important. then you're okay yeah. because it does have this issue where it's a very slow cycle to produce sphagnum moss. It can take years, decades if not. So you need to make sure you're taking it from a supplier that's sourcing it and harvesting it responsibly. So as long as you're doing that, then you're good to go with sphagnum moss. So, so yeah, so you've, you've made your, your rethring. As I say, you, you need to soak it to make it nice and moist so that when you put your materials into it, they stay hydrated. So as I say, I put mine in our water, but overnight, job done. And then it's a case of trundling off to the woods with my wheelbarrow. And uh, there's lots of holly trees on the edge of the wood. And as you get into the depths of the wood, the light levels become less. And so what you can do, you can find these very long, lanky stems of holly that because it's quite shady, they're not as dense and as prickly. They're quite soft to your hands and they're long. They're these long lengths of holly. So I snip those, put them in the barrow, tried to get some with some berries on as well. And that's my first component of the reef. I will then, using the little wire pins, I normally cut them in half so they're about four inches long. And then you run the holly around the edge of the wreath ring and you peg it down with these little pins. And then you run the holly over the top of the ring and you peg it down with the pins. And then you run another load of holly on the inside of the ring. So you've got three layers. And one um, round of holly is generally not enough. Normally I'll do two or three layers to get a lovely thick amount of holly leaves. Because that's my, for us, it's all down to personal taste. But that's our main component of the of the wreath. And I guess you could use a conifer or... Yeah. anything as a substitute for holly just to make that background yeah yeah any any evergreen foliage that that's what i would then do next actually is go and we've got things like the blue cedar we've got spruce we've got fir and they they will then go in to fill any gaps in that the holly hasn't filled because you will still see the hay or the moss beneath the holly at that point it's it's quite a thin material so that's where your evergreens then come in. And then it's a case of getting things like any variegated foliage. We've got lovely euonymus at the front of the hall. We've got a variegated holly, the golden holly. It's a lovely, real vibrant splash. We've got some golden um, uh, shrubby honeysuckle, the, the Lanicera nitida. That goes in as lovely little sprigs. So you tend to then pop those in. You physically push them into the moss or the hay. You don't need to wire them or anything because the stems are quite woody and rigid. So you don't need to right. do what you do with a summer bouquet, for example. There's no wiring needed. So it all gets pushed in. And then you've got things like um, the lovely blousy pinpricks of stuff. So you've got things like your classic fir cones. Um, we use a lot of rose hips. There's some roses we've got oh, at the lovely. hall that we know produce really lovely hips. Yep. There's also a Cox's orange pippin that's actually got, it's got canker quite badly, but we're hang, it's growing in the orchard. We don't want to get rid of it because it's, it's still a feature tree. And it, the fruits produced on it are quite stunted and small. They're only about the size of, say, a walnut. But they make so it amazing. a bit amazing. like a crab apple. A bit yes, like a crab apple. Exactly like a crab apple. And then obviously the holly berries go in as well. Um, and that's it. You, you, know, you can embellish it with whatever you want. That's, that's, that's when your creative juices can flow freely. I've seen feathers used. Um, yeah. We got, we got a pheasant. Uh, the estate next to us uh, does pheasant shoots and uh, there's lots of pheasants and actually their feathers are really good. Uh, jays come in. I think jays have got particularly yeah. beautiful oh, feathers. Oh, beautiful blue feathers, yes. Yeah. Um, so oh, God, did, can I tell you a disgusting story about that? Would uh, you mind? Oh, well, <laughs> I, I've just had my tea, so we're good. I once, and this is the depth to which I sometimes sink for my horticultural passions, because as you say, those, those, there's certain, is it a wing feather or a side feather of the jay that's got that blue fleck in it, hasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. Yeah, really characteristic. So I once found a very, very deceased jay whilst I was pruning one of the um, topiary in the hall. 
And I don't know if it's enthusiasm, madness, what. I got under that hedge and pulled out the jay and oh. got the feathers off it. I got about oh, 20 saw. They're oh, beautiful. I've, I've got them in a lovely little wooden box above my fireplace. You'd never know they came from a mouldy old bird. Yes. <laughs> 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 Anyhow, I've just distracted slightly from the lovely festive theme we're trying to set tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just had this imagination of you squashing the bird onto the onto the wreath and sticking it onto the owner's house, saying, there you go, something different this year. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, dear me. Um, uh, anyhow, so sorry, so I've detracted, but that is, that is in essence, and I will probably put, if I can find them on my phone, I've got some from the last few years, so I'll put some pictures up of the different stages of making the wreath, because it is, I say it's, we, I used to run wreath making courses with, with my friend and people were so daunted about it. But as you got through each individual stage, the mossing up, the holly, then adding the evergreens, then adding the variegation foliage, then adding all the oomphy stuff, the seed pods, the nuts, the dried oranges, whatever you want to use, the ribbons, the whole whistles and bells lot, that you see their faces, they, they, people can be creative and they can produce it. So please don't feel daunted by this at all. As long as you follow that, Layered pattern, you'll be fine. I, I should lead on. Oh, sorry, no, go on. I was going to say, it's a great activity for kids, isn't it, as well? And not and not mm. just the wreath making, but actually the going out to oh, yeah. find the material. That's that great must fun. be a quite, you know, a, a bit like a scavenger hunt in some ways. Oh, well, ways. do you know, I feel like a kid in a sweet shop because you have to go in, into the garden with your wellies and your, and your secateurs and your wheelbarrow and you literally have to cherry pick all the prettiest stuff. And it's yeah. at a time of year when everything's a little bit dank and gloomy and you're just going out there, skipping along, getting a berry of this, a sprig of that. And it's, you know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy doing this as a process. I do find it very creative and we, we, we tend to do it in the brew house, which is where the, at the back of the, the, the main tool shed of the hall. And it's the lovely setting. There's all lovely old um, vintage tools up on the walls. We get the radio on. Uh, you just make a big mess on the floor, we put sheets down, we just cut off all the scraps that we don't want. You do get a lot of waste when you're producing a wreath. I should say things like, um, you know, when you're, when you're putting the, like I said, the holly leaves on, try to get them all facing roughly the same way. Try to be symmetrical in where you're putting your, your punchy seed heads or, or main decor. And also, um, try to keep things in balance. You know, when you're putting a sprig of something in, make sure there are other sprigs if you're repeating that, are of a similar dimension because it just keeps everything nice and uniform. That's, that's, I mean, that's no, there's no hard and fast rules because it's about being creative, but that seems to work for me. Moving on to the, the swag. And that, as I say, is a slightly grander structure for if you've got a wonderful sweeping staircase, um, or a fireplace, you could, we do watch, you have one that we go yeah, over, you can do on, over the fire. Do on a mantelpiece, isn't it? That we used to do that when we had a big fire in our old flat. We used to get lots of evergreen material Beautiful. and just make it, uh, just dress up the the um, the mantelpiece, and that was a bit easier than making wreaths because you're just sort of placing it and decorating it. So if you're a bit mm. daunted by wreaths, I can highly recommend just doing like a little swag on a, a mantelpiece. Yeah, oh, definitely. And again, you know, they are. Um very eye-catching and creative over a fireplace you do have to be more mindful about when you bring them indoors we wouldn't bring the swag into the hall until normally we know the family are going to be there so it may be maybe two or three days before christmas they don't last as long so that's all you have to be mindful of but the smell you get don't you and yeah oh, you know yes. the aromas yeah. of that of the of the spruce and uh 
Oh, yes, it's... cedar, especially because yeah. it's got that sappy sort of. Oh yes, I, it definitely brings in the the smell of Christmas into the house. And you know, me and Nick, we we don't really like to have tinsel and and the lights. But the one thing we love bringing in is a bit of nature yeah. into the house. It's, there's just something about sort of going out for a day. And like you said, it brings out the child in you, doesn't it? Mm. Just and and it's just a lovely day out. It's, if you won't collect anything, it's a nice walk in the woods. You know, at a time when you might not get outside so much, and and I, I suspect the way the country is this year, it's it's quite nice to get out and and do something physical like that. So yeah, yeah, I definitely start. I definitely start thinking about going out and going to grab some things. Oh, I should add right at the start as well. We normally harvest our. If you want lots of holly berries, not often if it gets very cold. It's quite mild still now, but you do find in harsher winters that the pigeons will strip the berries off the holly before you get to it. So what I tend to do in the last few weeks of November is I trundle off again with a wheelbarrow, with a skip in my step, and I snip all the stems of holly that I need. And I then insert them into, we've got this wire mesh over the top of the water butts. And then I just stick the stems into that, cover the whole load over with netting. And it keeps the berries safe until I need them in, in December. Yeah, this, this, the, just to explain the swag, the, the physics of the swag itself, we produce one that's a good, oh, it must be a good six, seven metres long, massive big thing. And it's put together. This is, you could make something very, very similar with chicken wire and sphagnum moss and, and hay, that kind of thing. But we, this is something I've inherited. It's a plastic crate uh, and the, each individual crate is about six inches long and uh, they link together. So that it's a chain. It's like a, it's like a chain of maybe 30 of these little plastic crates. And then inside that, they used to put the oasis. We can now put things like I say, the, the hay or the moss. And it's very similar to the wreath, but we don't use as much holly. Again, just for the aesthetics of it all. But So we use lots more conifer. And we tend to start at the, sort of lay it all on the table and then put lots of conifer at the back and really just sort of make sure that a lot of, or the moss or the hay is covered up and then it's a case of adding again things like the cedar the spruce like I say other evergreens that you might want to and then after that again the variegation and the berries and the crabs and that kind of thing. and you can make we, we make ours quite um generic it's consistent all the way through but you can have where that where it sort of swags and then ties up along the top of the stairs you can have a big cluster of umphy berries and foliage if you want to and then the rest of it's quite simple and if you want to as well make it look really jazzy you can get some glycerin made up and just spray it with that so that it glistens because it will dry as i say it will dry out in the house very quickly so if you get a glycerin spray made up and just put that in a a hand mister and spray that over the swag it will last you well it will last a good few days let's not be too ambitious so so i think avoid the shops this weekend oh definitely you know don't, you don't need to get those last minute gifts. Uncle Dave doesn't need the novelty toy. Get out into your back garden, go and snip some bits of holly, a bit of conifer, collect up some pine cones and make yourself a really beautiful display for either your front door or your house. And you'll just bring a little bit of Christmas cheer for next to nothing. That concludes today's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening and look forward to you joining us again for the next instalment. 
Any review you'd like to leave via your podcast provider would be gratefully received. Winter is a natural time in the gardening calendar for reflection, adjustment and musing over new plans for warmer seasons ahead. So Lucy and I hope to inspire and educate with our thoughts. We'll also bring you interviews with some of the very best personalities our industry has to offer. We aim to dispel the myth that gardens, and therefore gardeners, slumber in winter. We promise that in this profession nothing could be further from the truth. As two enthusiastic and passionate head gardeners, winter is a busy season in our calendar. So let us help you keep one step ahead in this most marvellous and rewarding of careers. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! Goodbye!